0: The following is a presentation of Gallery Church Downtown, part of a family of neighborhood churches seeking to display God's greatness to the world. For more information, please visit gcbdowntown.com. Luke chapter 1, verses 67
1: through 80. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through the holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly in Israel, publicly to Israel. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen,
0: amen. Thank you, Andrew. Let me ask you guys this. Is it even possible for us to think about life without television? Could you imagine what it would feel like if there was no sense of broadcast at all? Um, you can tell we don't have a lot of these things on switches, so it's kind of like, okay, I'm just turning out the lights. Um, the What would it have been like for Zachariah? No Netflix binging? You know, no... Broadcast, like, no, not even a radio, no podcasting, no, uh, like, movie theater to go to. Um, what would he have done with his time? What would he have been excited to do in his leisure activities? Like, when I f- try to find a way, like, the Lord is using this last couple of weeks, uh, Elizabeth's story mary's story and now zachariah's story and these were real people they're not just um animated like biblical like it's a storybook bible and it's just art on a page like these were people that literally like mary changed jesus's diaper like he wasn't perfect where he never had a bowel movement right i mean he was real like mary had real experiences with jesus Elizabeth had real experiences with John the Baptist. And then imagine what it would have been like for Elizabeth to see her son go live in the wilderness in camel's hair and eating bugs. And like, she had real emotions, like real thoughts, real things that were coming her way. And then we have Zechariah. Like, what would he have used his time for? I'm pretty sure that Zechariah, at some level, would have had some kind of family thoughts, like thinking about Elizabeth, like, wow, we're old and we don't have children. Like, he would have been thinking about his family situation. As he's sitting in his home and he's growing in age and he's looking out his window or he's going about his priestly duties and he's watching families, I'm sure at some level he was thinking about families, thinking about the things that were impacting them. Knowing Zachariah's position of spiritual leadership in his community in the, in the village, in the region where he was, it would have been impossible for him to not find himself sitting by candlelight in the darkness of the community wondering about local business, local politics, local interactions, especially as he was hearing the Roman soldiers walk through with their armor clanging, right? And knowing and feeling the things that were happening in and around him. It is very likely now we don't there's no not much backstory here but Zachariah lived to be an older man which means he probably experienced health related issues he probably had moments where he didn't feel very well he probably had moments where people in his family weren't feeling well and probably had moments where people that he cared about did not do well in the physical health category so many things could have been on his mind. He also probably, because they were an agricultural environment, enjoyed looking out and watching the harvest becoming ready to ripe, ripen or to be harvested. He probably had moments where he was just looking out saying, Lord, would you please feed your people? Lord, would you please provide? It's not rained in a while. Would you send rain? You know, and, and whatever it could have been, I imagine that Zachariah was sitting around in the stillness of it all not distracted by some show that he's now found that he can get lost in for days and weeks at a time he's probably allowing himself or has moments where just the needs and the observations of people are dominating his thoughts could his thoughts have been even more intense could there could Based upon this beautiful prophecy meets poetry meets song that we just read, does it give us a glimpse to maybe some of the things that he would have been thinking about? Because when you look at this, there's something wrong in the world. When you look at his heart and you're finding this, you find that Zachariah in sitting in his position and sitting in this time, even the nine months of silence based upon the announcement of his child coming and how he lacked faith, and then there was this stillness and this silence and his life is a physical expression to the people around that God is doing something crazy. I mean, Zechariah had moments where he was looking at the wrong in the world. People in his life were suffering. People around him in his community were suffering. Why else would Jesus have to teach people on how to interact with Roman soldiers when they asked you to carry a bag? Like, go an extra mile. I mean, there were people that actually were being asked to do things that these scriptures talk about, and he had them in his community. So he was looking at the suffering and the brokenness. There were wicked foreigners in their land that had come there with anger in their faces to oppress them, swords in their hands, riding chariots and all of this kind of stuff. And they were looking at an oppressive army that was habit, like inhabiting them, like they were there and present and interacting. And Zechariah is seeing all of this, and, and, and I'm imagining that his thoughts were there as well. There was darkness, there was death that had stalked the land. We only generally talk about the cross during times of Easter. But crosses were daily in this first century. It was Rome's fa- like They had perfected public torture for dominance. And Zachariah very likely could not go to work on a weekly basis without seeing somebody hanging on a cross somewhere. I can't even fathom that. I mean, in some ways, can I be honest? I think I can fathom that because I am tired of looking at the homicide rate in our city. I'm tired of looking at the ways that there's darkness and brokenness in every news cycle. And even driving from one side of town to the other, watching police line tape in certain intersections or around certain homes and seeing ambulances and fire department responding to the fact that somebody thought they should end somebody else's life or at least an attempt to do so. Zachariah would have been in that same darkness. He would have understood what you and I are feeling or sensing even in our own city. There are also many of you in here that I don't want to underestimate your ability to relate to Zachariah because many of you are from other countries, in other places, where you've seen oppression oppression in a different way. You know what it's like to live without a TV. Like, saying that to you is like, uh, yeah, I didn't get one until I came to America, right? Or I didn't experience that because we had different things that we celebrated in our culture. But here, we have so many things that are pressing on us. But if we go a little bit deeper into what Zachariah what his thoughts are revealed in this prophecy, poetry, song that, we, that Andrew just read for us, if we look at this for a minute, is there a, not a sense that in his thoughts he was at least trying to be hopeful? I mean, because the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus hasn't happened yet. All that he has are the promises, And all that he has is an interaction that he had that is an angel speaking to him and and talking about things that were coming and he was going to have a forerunner before Jesus. And so there were some supernatural things happening, but in all reality, the oppression hadn't stopped. There were still things that he was facing. And was he sitting around thinking, could this be made right? Like right now, there's a lot of people in Baltimore that are sitting around fancy tables or business settings, and are thinking, can we make this right? We have so many people that have thrown their name in the hat to be mayor of our city. And they are all coming to the microphone saying, I think I can lead us to do what? Make things right. And if it's not the first thing that they say, it's generally in the first few sentences where they're talking about, we need to stop the violence, right? There, I have a plan if, we, if you elect me, I will lead us to a place where there 's no more violence or we can start to curve the the, the, the ways that we are being aggressive towards one another and Could we find Zachariah sitting around thinking it, hopeful thoughts like, man, could this be right? Could there be a way that we can show love towards one another where there 's no more verbal abuse. There's no more physical abuse. There's no more lack of food and shelter for people. Like, everybody has what they need, and there's a sense of joy in it. I mean, could Zechariah's prayer here, this song, this poem, reveal that he believes that things will be put right? Now, that's the tension for you and I, because we know what the Bible says, and we know what has been taught throughout church history about the fact that Jesus paid it all, and that things were made right in him, but yet we still live in a very dark place. We still are seeing the pain of all of this. Zechariah comes across in this passage as someone who has pondered the agony and the hope for many years. I want you to think about this just for a minute. Zechariah right now could relate to us. Now, some of you, you might not have been thinking much about it, right? Because you're, you might be in some ways protected from some of it. And so you're thinking about the vibrancy and the places that you're experiencing. And I just want to say what a joy it is for us to find ourselves in a safe and protected place. But there are a lot of people that are coming here and other places around us where they don't have that same sense of peace and protection and comfort and trust and faith and hope and, and even a, an ease of mind that, that, that others might have. But for many years he's been pondering this agony and this and yet balancing it with hope. And now he finds that the two in him are like bubbling up, and, and he's writing and he's singing. and however, this moment is transpiring into this writing, but it is, there is so much delight in him because of this miracle of a baby that's coming through Elizabeth that they know is going to be a forerunner to other prophecies that are getting ready to be fulfilled in Mary. It's a poem about God acting at last. And could we not just take this, read it this week, and just say, God, could you continue to act at last? Like, there is a sense in Zechariah that for years he's been reading the prophecies. He's gone through all of the different ancestors from Abraham all the way through, The people had had their fill of hatred and oppression, and he was ready to to see all of that overturned. And he's going through everything from the promises of the new David to the things that the prophets had said, and all of it was pointing to the fact that God was going to do something special. Can you also sense in this passage that he has persevered through long years of quiet prayer and trust? My biggest fear, if I can speak from a a, a, a later 40-year-old, I'll be 47 at my next birthday. How many of you in here are younger than me? Would you raise your hand? Yeah. And even some of you aren't raising your hand. You look younger than me. Uh, um, you hide it well. Can I talk to you after the service? Um, can I just say something out of my 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 fear for you? Is that you have you, we're struggling with patience. We're struggling with perseverance and long-suffering. Anything, anytime we get pressed, especially in areas of faith, some of you can persevere through a lot for your career. Like, for those of you that have committed your life to Johns Hopkins, <laughs> grace and peace be to you. <laughs> right? Right? So you know what it's like to persevere in difficult environments because you are determined for an outcome. But can I just say this? I'm fearful that we've lost that for our faith. The long, dark night after night after night of us petitioning God in prayer, but yet trusting him. Zechariah is a beautiful example. If we could look at the breadth of his life the consistency to faith. I could not, I don't know if I could continue to be the pastor in Baltimore if I always had to speak to people just out of hope. Like there wasn't any examples of goodness or life or joy, but yet saying, okay, we haven't heard from God in a long time, but I'm still faithfully going to come every week and lead us to look to Yahweh and and, but yet knowing that people were struggling with oppression after oppression after oppression and saying, but yet God loves you. He's going to free you, but yet you're still in bondage. And so, so much of Zachariah's story is inspiring to me. And on days that I am having a difficult time shepherding us and being involved in all that we're facing as a church family, I think of Zachariah a lot. He's really become a mentor, so to speak, hero of a faith for me because I know that God's going to deal with my doubts and fears, much like he's dealt with Zachariah, but yet God is very redemptive. And he continues to use us in the midst of our fears and our doubts. And I just want to say to you, if he can do that in my life, he's going to do that in yours. He did it in Zechariah, He did it in Elizabeth and Mary and many others. Look at the, I want to call them 12 stooges at times. Like the disciples that follow Jesus, I mean, could they not be such a yo-yo in how they were believers and not believing and, and, and totally missing it around the, the, the woman at the well where they even went to town and never even told anybody about Jesus and then they come back and accuse Jesus of hanging out with a woman? I mean, like they didn't get it at all. But yet, God still used them and we're here today because of their faithful response to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Zachariah's vision here goes beyond simply a realigning of political powers. Like, there's so much in this passage that sounds very political, like about oppressive governments. And on that level, there's a lot that still needs to be done in our world and our nation today. But Zechariah is coming back to God's mercy. He's dealing with God's mercy. He's dealing with the forgiveness of our sins, and that's corporate and Individual. There's a tension in this poetry. He's like, he's talking about all of us or he's just talking about himself? Is he talking about, is it me? Like, and I love this passage of scripture because I think it's really good for you and I to see what's ailing inside of me and what's ailing inside of us. And what needs to be fixed corporately but also needs to be fixed privately but also it's like, if I fix this privately and we all fix it privately, holy smokes, imagine what we could accomplish if the image of Jesus was that radiant in all of us. But too often what happens is, is we come to a passage like this and we project it on everybody else, but we never use it as a mirror for ourselves. Like who do I hate? Like who is it that I am the most angered towards, have the most anger towards? Who do I find myself desiring bad things to, right? And what needs to happen is us to say, look, there's an oppressor inside of me. There's somebody inside of me that needs forgiveness. There's somebody inside of me that needs God's mercy. Lord, help me to be that agent in the world of forgiveness and your mercy so that others can walk in it as well. And Zechariah is setting an incredible message about the rescue from death, the rescue from what's killing us on the inside, mentally, emotionally, physically. He's talking about these deeper and wider meanings of salvation. And if we took the time to go through Luke's letter, the entire rest of the letter is about that rescue mission. So what we're getting in a glimpse here in this very long chapter one, he unpacks for the rest of this Letter that he's writing to the early church, and I would encourage you guys to read it through its entirety up until January 1st. Zechariah's own story of nine months of silence, suddenly broken at the naming of his child, is a reflection on a smaller scale of what was going on in Israel in his day. They had doubts and disobedience that had forced some silence, and God was breaking that silence and announcing good news. The thing that I love about Zachariah, there's two things actually, he never forgets this larger perspective. Can I tell you guys this? When life gets really hard, I lose perspective. I I don't know if that's your story, but when things get very difficult for me, it's so easy to only see what's literally right in front of me but if we could go ahead and bring the house lights back up just a little bit. We don't have to turn on everything, but just a few things. I would love to begin to see our perspective large, made large, because to be honest, the things that are impacting me are not just me. It's us. There's a sense that what I'm going through, you're going through. What you're going through, I'm going through. But when things get difficult, it's very easy to only think about it for me. Are, are you tracking with me on this? When life is difficult, it is so easy for us to just take a minute and just like, it's all about me. And it's almost like as if in moments of pressure, we become narcissistic. Where it's just, it's all, like, every sentence is me, 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 me. And, and, you, and you just manipulate everybody to be around you and your thoughts, and your wills, and your desires, and I believe what Zechariah is saying here is that he has gotten a, a, a new fresh wave of the larger perspective that God is out to redeem everyone. He's not just there to save Zechariah and Elizabeth. He's not just there to do something supernatural in his family. He wanted that to be proclaimed and announced over every tribe, tongue, and nation. It wasn't just for the Jews any longer. It wasn't just for the people in and around Jerusalem and the temple. It was to go out to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. It was to include men and women, slaves and masters. It was to include everyone. No matter what your financial status was, educational status, he was saying that there was something powerful that's coming to realign everything from my heart to the community around me's heart. And he's setting God's new standard out there for us He never forgot the larger perspective. He continued to go back to the prophecies, continued to look at what God was wanting to do and continued to lean into that. I mentioned Elizabeth, I mentioned Mary, I mentioned Zachariah, and the other thing that I think that we can learn from them is that they were called to trust God at a new moment in history. Could this Advent season be a reminder to us that you and I are called to trust God in our moment in history. I mean, could we get to a point where we find ourselves saying it doesn't matter how the pressures are pushing in on me? If you follow me on social media, you know I'm a huge marvel. I'm actually a huge superhero fan, all right? So, when I want to binge watch something, I don't just go to Netflix, I go to superhero movies. Like, I've seen them all. And people look at me like, How many times have you seen? And I'm like, I really don't want to tell you. <laughs> um, it's because when I want to not think about anything, I want to get inspired by superhuman things. And right now, when, you know, one of the images that's in my mind the most? is the Spider-Man movie where the Staten Island fairies saw into, and he's and he's swung through, and he's like zipped on all the posts, right? Because that's what Spider-Man does, because he's a teenager with superpowers, so he makes like pubescent noises, right? So he's zip, <laughs> zipping through all this thing, and he gets through, and he's holding it all together, and then what is he? He's like, he has this moment, he's like, oh no, because the computer that talks to him, um, I don't remember her name, but um, the computer that talks to him says, oh, you missed one, Right? And all it was was one, one post in the whole Staten Island Ferry, and it all starts to unravel, and Iron Man has to come and glue it back together, right? And so what I'm saying is this, is that so much of what happens in our life feels like we've gotten all these things right, but I got one thing wrong, and it now starts to feel like everything's falling apart. No matter what superhero line you love, I mean, there's this moment in it where we're tested in our failures. We're tested to see how determined are we, how faithful are we going to be? How much do we really care about the people around us? Is it just about me or is it about the we? And so what I, I love that we can learn from Zechariah, Mary, and Elizabeth is that they are being public about their faith. They're being public about their doubts and they're walking in it because they want to embrace God in their generation, now, we know that Mary got a lot of things right, but the one thing she got wrong was when Jesus turned 30, she thought he went crazy, right? But yet, she's still at the cross with Christ, and she's still a part of the church in the Acts 1 chapter where it talks about the, new, the believers waiting in the upper room, and she's one of the ones named. So even in the midst of her fears and her doubts, she continued to press against the things that she couldn't understand, knowing that God was going to be faithful to his promises, And I believe that that's what we can continue to learn from Zechariah today. So how did Zechariah's experience, how did Zechariah experience such joy in such a dark time? I think it's because he never forgot the larger perspective. And he knew that God was calling him to display his trust in that generation. Like he was being set out on display for other people to see the work of God in him. So I believe that that's the same thing that can happen for you and I. Do we want, like we can choose to take it or not. Like again, we have, God God has blessed us with a great love and that love includes us having a choice to take it or not. But if you've never placed your trust in Jesus, it is simple as us saying, God, I just trust you. I wanna put my trust in you. I invite you. I receive you. Like, thank you for being a gift. I mean, it's as simple as a prayer like that. And I would pray that some of you in here today that are struggling, that you're like, you know what, I know that I can't experience joy because I haven't experienced Christ. And today I want to experience Christ. And if you say a prayer as simply as that, I would love for you to let us know so that we can rejoice with you and help you take next steps. Others of us in here, we've lived our faith long enough that we've experienced pain and darkness and, our, and the promises of God have been tested but yet we are feeling like as if our trust and our faith is growing weak, let us pray for each other. Turn to the people around you in our responsive time here at the end or go to one of our people that are carrying, that are wearing a lanyard that'll say there, pray for you. Let them pray that the Lord would continue to give you strength. We want to be determined that we are a a people in this generation that are going to say, I trust in God. I trust in God. Let's, uh, Let's pray together.